Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. We got some adventure coming up, don't we? We do. And we are, I don't know about you, Kara, but I am like so busily trying to get ready for this event. It is our Cottonwood um, photography experience that we're doing in Wells, Nevada at the beautiful Cottonwood Guest Ranch. And both Kara and I are so crazy busy that we want to beg our listeners, um, well, it's not really forgiveness because we're going to give you something along the lines today, but we want to, um, we, we are going to beg your forgiveness in that we're not going to send out a new episode this week. I guess let me put it that way. Does that sound good, Kara? Well, yeah, considering I can't even find my suitcase, I have been looking all morning for my suitcase <laughs> and I have this feeling that I rem- vaguely remember breaking it on our last trip and throwing it away. So I'm even going to have to run out and buy a new suitcase before wheels up tomorrow. So, yes, yeah. we we have been um, we have been talking about this topic that we're going to reshare with you guys today um, all over the place. Um, Kim's been speaking on it. We just did an episode um, over on our Cowgirls with Cameras podcast that was really photography po- focused. And so, as Kim would say, it's been a hot topic in our world right now. So we wanted it to has. reshare it with you guys in hopes that you will go back, give it a listen with fresh ears, and um, I don't know, every time we talk about this subject, it reinvigorates my desire to get out there and be actively working my social proof a little better. And I always am like reminded of things that, oh, that I already knew I should be doing, but I haven't been doing. So I don't know. What do you think? I I think the same thing. And I gave a workshop on this very recently. And the people that were in the workshop I know it's not, it doesn't sound like that exciting of a topic, but the people in the workshop were like, this is gold. This is what we need to know. So if you kind of skipped over this episode back in the beginning, or you're one of our newer listeners that maybe didn't go back and listen to it because it didn't have the sexiest title out there in the world, um, this is an opportunity to get this. Trust me, this is gold. So without further ado, we will launch right into the replaying of Social Proof. And um, thank you all for being wonderful listeners. And we will be back from this adventure shortly with some brand new episodes that have some great content for you as well. In the meantime, Social Proof is on the way. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to The Business Animal. I'm Kim with Be More Business. And I'm Kara Taylor Swift with Fast Horse Photography. And today's episode is dedicated to social proof. So social proof is that really important marketing asset that you may or may not be thinking about every single day. And we would like to get you to really mindfully think about your social proof, how you can improve it, how you can cultivate it, and how you can take this asset 
out there into the world and really use it to make more sales and more impact with your business. Now we always have a big three here at the Business Animal. Kara, do you wanna give the big three this morning? Yeah, definitely. We're gonna talk about how social proof needs to be mindfully cultivated and harvested and that developing social proof listening skills and tracking is very important. I don't know about you, Kim, but as a animal-based business owner, I'm usually pretty happy to talk about my business. And I, my guess is, is there's a lot of people out there that like to talk about their business as well and how they serve animal owners and animals themselves. And we know we offer this great service and product. We're happy to share that information with anyone that we come in contact. But I think when other people talk or share about our business, it carries so much more weight. Your potential, and I'm saying that in all caps because it's, it is about your potential clients, they're more likely to trust someone else who was once like them out there looking for the service or the product that you offer. So I really feel like that's why social proof is so important because it really directly influences your potential customer's actions. Absolutely. And the important thing to remember is that social proof is just the modern version of what we've always called in small business as word of mouth marketing, right? If you are interested in purchasing a item, a product or a service, and you have a friend who has that same need and you go to them and you say, hey, do you have any recommendations? And they give you a company name, chances are you as the consumer aren't even gonna look any further. You're not gonna do any more research. You're just gonna say, hey, my friend Betty knows this company. I'm gonna go work with them. And as a small business owner, or if you're the company <laughs> that Betty worked with, then you get super excited because, hey, that's something that you being in business is enough, right? You don't have to go out and pay for a lot of advertising and do a lot of stuff to get that customer's business that Betty just sent you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're parents over here at my house and we've got a seven-year-old and we get maybe one night out a month where my husband and I can go and have dinner together if we're lucky. And so I'm not picking a restaurant without going online and picking the one that has 900 reviews and a five-star rating because I get one opportunity to spend my yeah. money on my night out and have a good experience. <laughs> and I want to know that people that have gone before me are happy. I mean, do we purchase things that have zero reviews and minimal proof out there that they're a real company? No. So we either, as consumers, we feel better about buying if somebody tells us that it's okay, or if we see other people have actually gone and done that and had a successful experience. And we also tend to look for, you know, did anybody have a problem? Did anybody get sick eating at that restaurant? Or did they not like that service? Or what did the company do when that happened? And so it's a whole lot of looking at how other people experience a business and being able to determine as a consumer which business you're going to choose from the competitors in that particular space based upon that social proof that is provided. And again, there's that friend who will give the recommendation, but with internet and with Google and social media and all of those things, you have all of this big open area for creating social proof that you didn't have before. Like it was really hard to pay off that friend to tell the friend, but now we have all these avenues where we can encourage our clients and customers that are happy to go leave good and positive reviews. The downside to our society is that we only tend to leave things we're upset about. <laughs> so as a business owner, you need to cultivate 
elevate this. You need to, to see it as an asset and you need to get out there and actually ask people for positive reviews so that they show up so people want to use your product or service. So what does it mean in real terms? So we have a list. Kara, you want to do the list? Sure, I'll work my way through the list. Kim and I have really spent a lot of time thinking about all of the different types of social proof that are out there. And the first one, probably the most obvious, is testimonials. So either written or video testimonials. And I know Kim's got some great stuff to talk about in terms of video soon. Also, think about the reviews like Google reviews, Yelp reviews, yep. Facebook reviews, any place where there's a review option or a five-star option, podcast review, hint, hint, folks out there. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> stars, please. LinkedIn recommendations, likes, comments, and shares on your social media pages, follows, subscribers, case studies. Another shameless plug. Yeah. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> case studies, even things like your website, which you created, is still social proof. Google search results, analytics from your website, from your social media, screenshots. This is one that has come up to me recently. Things like when your client sends you a text message and they're like raving about something that you did for them, positive online messages that you get, you know, of course, you're going to want to share those with permission, but you should be collecting those things and holding on to them. And then we're going to go into details about this other section at some point as the expert. So featured profiles, public relations, that type of thing. So that's a real list. And we're going to dig a little deeper. Yep. And so let's take that list and divide it out into four main types of social proof. There's proof that's provided by your customer. So these are Google reviews, Yelp reviews, Facebook reviews. They're anything that your customer has to be the one who inputs it. There's a lot of reviews out in the world today that require the customer to be the person who is logged in to leave that review. And that's done to protect you, one, so that we can track that, and two, so that unscrupulous businesses are not out there like manufacturing fake social proof. So this puts a layer, not to say that that's not possible, but it does put a layer to it that says that these are real people and they thought enough of your business and your company need to go and actually actively leave a review. So that's type one. Type two is gathered by you. So this is gathered by the business. And this type of proof is where you're going to be the one that asks for the testimonial and you write it down or video it. And again, I'll give you a technique here in a moment to get that done. And you're the one who gathers it. And then you type it up. You may edit it with their approval, of course. And then you're going to publish it where you want it to be. You're going to put it on your website. You're going to put it out there as a video on your YouTube channel, however you want to go about it. Then the third type is in the wild. So this is where your customer goes and talks about you and your business and their experience without necessarily having any connection to your business. So an example of this would be, let's say Kara delivers a package of photography to a client and then the client has a framed portrait in there and she hangs the portrait up on her wall and she takes a picture of it and posts the picture on her Facebook page saying how happy she is with the image. That was completely unsolicited solicited by Kara. It's not in any formal channel like a Google review or a Facebook review or a LinkedIn recommendation, but it's still social proof. It's that client's social connections that are going to see that post. And so it is social proof for Kara and it's out in the wild. And Kara may or may not know that it happens. And then the final type, which we're going to cover on another episode 
of the business animal because we want to stay focused on consumer related social proof is the authority piece. This is where you get magazines to do articles on you or you guest blog on somebody else's blog or you are a guest on a podcast. All of that kind of stuff, public relations, featured profiles, purchased social proof, that will cover in a different episode. So there's four types and we're going to be talking more in depth about three. So I just wanted to give a brief kind of funny example about social proof from the wild that happened to me last year. So I photographed a client and we created a large piece for their house and hung it in their home. And immediately after they put their house up for sale and they had clients walking through, potential buyers walking through their home and they asked about that large piece on the wall. So once the house sold to this couple, they contacted me because they remembered that piece to have a similar piece created of their horses for their home. So it was such a fun example of how you're in the wild, you don't really have any control over it, but you never know who's, like you said, standing at the fence talking to their neighbor about your business. So I just thought that was a really funny example about your work as a business owner out in the wild and what happens. Absolutely. And that happens a lot. It happens a lot more than you would think. And the truth is, is that that person is got like a 90% chance of coming and working with you. I mean, it's a really, really high probability of a sale for your business when that type of social proof happens. Each one of these levels of social proof has some impact to it. So it makes a big difference when they're researching who they want to work with, whereas the gathered social proof is really impactful when it comes to making a sales or marketing decision. This gathered social proof, it could be case studies, that kind of stuff. That's really important when the consumer is actually making the buying decision. So it's very important to have it kind of staged in that place. The wild is wild. <laughs> it's out there and it's sort of random. It is it is the wild card in your marketing deck and will get you the sale pretty immediately. Yeah, those are the folks that in my experience are usually by the time they contact my business, they're already sold. Yep. Now, what you may have gathered by taking this little bit of a deep dive into understanding social proof and what an asset it is for your business is that this may be something you want to do more of, that you want to get a better focus on in your business. And that's our point number two, which is social proof needs to be mindfully cultivated and harvested. Customers love you. I mean, there's no doubt. I get lots of brags. I get lots of people telling me, you know, hey, you really helped my business. I had a a beautiful session in my group on Monday where one of my group participants told me how much I had changed her attitude towards writing blog posts. And it was huge and it was beautiful. And it's up to me as a business owner that if I want to cultivate that, that I ask, hey, could you write that down for me? Or can you send me an email with that? Or can I rewrite it and send it back to you for approval. So you have to cultivate this. It's great to get those compliments, but the compliments will do your business so much empowerment if you take a few minutes to really mindfully harvest those and to cultivate more of them by asking questions, asking for feedback, asking people to be involved in providing you with social proof. So what does that mean in real terms? Strategically, it means developing and implementing a system for this. And tactically, it means setting up the places that your customers can provide social proof 
then asking for that social proof with keep it stupid simple, that KISS principle, keep it stupid simple steps laid out for them to provide it, and then engaging with customers who provide the social proof to bolster their experience, encourage them to do it again. So Kara, how do you encourage social proof in your business? A lot of different ways. I go out and actively look for it, but when I'm trying to cultivate it and get existing clients or clients that we're kind of at the end of our current process together, I do a couple of things. I talk to them verbally about it, the fact that I'm going to be requesting a testimonial. And then I communicate with them in the system that they have proven is their best way to communicate. So if it's text messaging or email, then I send them the actual request for a testimonial with a few leading questions to kind of get them rolling and thinking about it. And then I try to make it as easy as possible by directing them to the spot that I really want the testimonial to go. Maybe give them one, maybe two options, depending upon how tech savvy I think they are. And then I have the third thing I do as a follow-up. I send a written thank you note to all my clients and have something personal about their experience. And then I usually mention it there as well if it hasn't happened already. Nice. And you had a very important point in there that I'd like for you to elaborate a little bit on where you mentioned that you ask them some leading questions. And there's a motivation behind that. Can you explain why you ask them leading questions? Yeah, I think it's important to point out that, you know, not all social proof is created equally. Your social proof really needs to address the direct concerns that the folks that you hope to work with one day, your potential clients might have. So social proof that actually speaks to your process, that speaks to what you do, the way that your product works or how you were to work with, to me would be weighted heavier than a testimonial, for example, and I'm sure we all get these and they're wonderful and we're happy to get them, but they don't mean as much in terms of how you can use them. Something like, I love working with Kara at Fast Horse Photography. Thanks, Kara. I love it and it makes me feel amazing to get it. But in terms of practical uses for that, in social proof that doesn't tell my potential clients much other than that I was fun to work with, right? Or that I'm a cool person to hang around with. Not that it doesn't speak to my system, my process and how I met the needs that that client had. So adding some leading questions in there that are directed towards them talking about the experience and the parts of it that were really helpful and successful for them makes a big difference in the types and quality of social proof that you can pull from that. Your equine-based business has unique needs. It's your job to tell the story of your horse brand. You know what you want to say, but creating or finding powerful storytelling images that grab the attention of your ideal client can be a challenge, especially when you're busy running your business. That's why equine industry business leaders turn to Fast Horse Photography and a library featuring thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related, now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and all your other needs is easier than ever. Find the perfect images for your equine business right now at FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com. One of the biggest pushbacks that I think consumers have in leaving reviews, and I think we can all get in tune with this as consumers ourselves, is that it's really hard to think sometimes of what you want to write. <laughs> so if the business helps you by asking some leading questions around feedback or providing yeah. you with some information about what you might include in yeah, your we'll review, take it. if you are so inclined, 
that is majorly helpful to the person that is writing the review. They're able to do it from a place of, of feeling confident about what they're putting in there. Because a lot of times I think the I love working with you review is really, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> You know, I had this great experience. I had a lot of benefits from it, but how do I put that in words? And frankly, I'm a busy person and don't have two hours to sit and write your business a review. So anything you can do to help people to get from point A to point B easily is really, really important. So I wanna put out there that you need to have a plan for all of this. You need to have a plan for asking. You need to kind of think around those corners for your customers on what, what leading questions do you wanna ask and how do you wanna set this up? So the first step in all of that is you've got to have the places where people can leave reviews. So if you don't have a Google My Business listing and you want Google reviews, reviews, it, it's not going to happen. You need to get those things set up. So if you want Google reviews, you have to have a Google My Business listing available for people to click the button and to leave you the reviews. If you have an e-commerce store, you have to click the option for people to leave reviews and stars on your products. So that's a necessity is to set those places up. If you want Facebook reviews, you have to have a Facebook page, right? Then you need to implement a strategy for asking. You need to know where in social proof land that you're going to have the most impact. So if you are a business that's a local business, your biggest impact is probably going to be on Google. So you want to try to encourage people to leave you a Google review because that's where your new consumers are going to be the most likely to come into contact with you for the first time. And those are the first set of reviews that they're going to see. If you are a service oriented business that works primarily off of referrals, then your website those longer testimonials, the more in-depth stuff, that's probably going to be more impactful for the people coming to you. So you want to concentrate on getting that type of social proof. So you have to ask yourself, where is it most impactful? I would just add to the website piece, it's less important the number of testimonials that you have and more important to have two, three, four really good testimonials that really speak to your process. So don't feel like you have to have this page that's dedicated to testimonials with just a running, updated, constantly list of testimonials. That's not necessarily what your potential clients are looking for. But having a few that are really put together well and speak to your process is better. Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot. The types of businesses that are listening to this podcast most likely are not, like a restaurant, the more reviews it has with five stars, the more likely the client is to come. Our businesses are a little bit different. They're intentionally smaller. You don't need to compete with that type of a business, right? Where you have to have hundreds of reviews. A few really good ones will be just perfectly fine. And you'll build this social proof over time. I mean, that's something we're all building as we're moving through all of the technology and changes that are coming about. Implement your strategy for asking for that and knowing where it's going to be impactful. Now, when you go to make your ask, make it absolutely back to that KISS principle, keep it stupid simple. So Google, if you're wanting more Google reviews, Google has a link that they will give you and that's what you put in your email when you ask for the review. If you want it on your Facebook page, give them a link directly to your Facebook page. And here's another hint, Facebook has a review link and you can go right onto your Facebook page and click on it and it will substitute your business name in. You can Google how to get more Facebook reviews and it'll tell you exactly how to get that link and 
how to utilize it. So you wanna make it absolutely simple. If you have an e-commerce website and you're wanting to collect more reviews, put a pop-up on the website or make it more obvious or ask at checkout or email is my favorite way to get reviews. Ask in the email that follows up with the client. Just make it really simple for people to do it. I am an advocate for pick one. (laughs) one avenue that you want to do. One takes a lot of the decision out of it. So if you pick for that specific customer or your type of business, what would be the best type of review and then ask for one? Because I think anytime you add more than one choice, you reduce the amount of compliance that you're going to get from the person on the other end. When it comes to implementing a strategy for gathered social proof, capture it in the moment is my big piece of advice. So a lot of times, and I don't know, I'm sure this happens to you, Kara, people will tell me in person, you know, hey, Kim, thank you so much for, and it tends to be after a class, right? They'll be like, I learned just so much in that class and what you were talking about, I really have been experiencing that. And then they'll start going on about exactly what impact it just had on them. And it's amazing and I'm never gonna get that again, (laughs) right? They're gonna walk out of that classroom and that's gone. So if I'm a savvy business owner, when this happens, I have my smartphone with me. I need to whip that smartphone out and I need to capture this moment in time so that I can utilize it later. So there's, (laughs) there's a tactful way to do that and a not so tactful way to do it. So I'm gonna give you my tactful way. When the person comes up to you and starts telling you how wonderful you are, let them go on for a moment (laughs) until there's a natural stopping place and say, you know, hey, I am really trying to build my business and what you just said, it warms my heart. And I think it would really help other people be able to get the same benefit that you just got. Would you mind if I just really quickly filmed what you said so that I record it here so I have your words captured. I won't use the video if you don't want me to. I'll even get your email and send you a copy before I publish it, but can I go ahead and record it? Then get your phone out and point it at them and they're gonna look like a deer in the headlights. They're gonna be like, I just forgot everything good about you because you pointed a camera at me. That's okay. Whatever they said, ask them a question about it. Kira, for example, if you deliver pictures and frames and the person is carrying on about how beautiful the image is and how they're so excited they're gonna get to hang it in their hallway and they can't wait for their mother-in-law to see it and blah, blah, blah. Say, you know, you just were telling me how excited you were to hang this in, in a place in your home. Can you go back to that moment and tell me more? At that moment, you're gonna get the best testimonial ever and you have it captured and then go home translate it. If they're great on video and translate, then you have a video testimonial. And you may even be able to capture a headshot because those little pictures on website testimonials are so good. You might be able to have that as well. So work with your customers. Ask, take that moment when you're getting all of those accolades and turn that into an opportunity to get the next sale. And to also, also go back and be really thankful for who you are in your business and how much impact you're making on the world. So take a moment to bask in that. Can I ask you, we're talking about that video in terms of if your client says, yeah, you can use this video. Can you tell me how you would use that? Like where would you host that or put that? 
What I would do is maybe a highlight reel video. This is what I did for my speaking testimonials. I took those from the people who hosted me as a speaker. I took all of the recordings that I made and I made them into a reel, not an Instagram reel, but <laughs> I could do that, I guess. And that would be a use for it, right? Put it on an Instagram reel. But I actually put it in a reel and then posted it on YouTube. And then when someone is interested in having me become a speaker or when I'm applying at expos, I sent them that because it's all the people talking about what an impact I made on the audience and how much they enjoyed working with me and I was professional and you know all of those things that speaking coordinators are like yeah we want that person right so yeah I just looped it together you also could take it translate it put it on your website in text you could put it in little video clips on your website so people could watch it I mean there's a ton of places that you could put post it on social media <laughs> there's a, there's a ton of places. I just I just love that. And with the way that video right now is just being so pushed in terms of marketing and social media and stuff like that. I just love that idea of being able to add that video element to your testimonials. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea. And you know, it's not just you who in your business, if you have employees, they may run into this moment where people are bragging about the business and you need to get them into the mindset that they need to capture this as well. So it's a technique you can teach other people within your business. Every small business owner wants to gain traction in their marketing. After three decades of working with small business owners just like you, I have developed what I call my 4x4 marketing method. In just one 90-minute session, you'll discover the four major focus areas of a successful marketing plan, and together we'll uncover where your business is getting stuck. You'll leave the session with an action plan of next steps that engage your revenue engine. Drop by bemorebusiness.com to request your session today. That's B-E-M-O-R-E -E, business com. See you there. The next step in this plan is to utilize that social proof, which we've kind of covered a little bit here. But, you know, anywhere and everywhere where you can spread the happiness, <laughs> so to speak, out into the world is a great place for you to do so. Anywhere where you can figure where you'd make any kind of impact on helping a potential consumer purchase for the first time or reminding your current consumers or customers that you're still there, you still provide a great service and boy, wouldn't it be nice if they could have that experience again. And then the final piece of that strategy needs to be a engagement strategy. So when people leave you social proof, you can't stop. Even when it's something like, I love you, Kara, <laughs> you know, respond back. All of the social proof avenues allow you for the provided ones, allow you to respond back to that customer and say, thank you for your business, or I'm so glad to see that, or I'm just so thrilled with your success. So be gracious and be grateful you get to make that response. If you get one of those testimonials that's like, way to go, I loved working with you, thank you so much. And responding could be a way to garner a little more information from that testimonial. So asking something like, thank you so much for leaving this testimonial. Can you tell me how you are enjoying your artwork right now? Or, you know, just asking a little kind of targeted engagement question yep. to follow up so that when people are looking through their reviews, they can see the rest of the story. That is a really smart way to turn I Love Kara into a valuable, more valuable review. 
Now, some of you are probably going, what do I do? Because I'm going to put myself out there and people are going to leave me bad reviews. And that's why the engagement part is such an important part of your strategy. Because if you're actively engaging with your social proof, with the reviews and the things that people leave out there in the world for you, you will be more cognizant when something negative or even mediocre comes along. And this is your opportunity to prove to potential and new customers that you know how to do customer service right. Respond. My first recommendation is to respond publicly and to get the conversation private. So what you wanna do if you've gotten a negative review or you've gotten a complaint in a social proof area is immediately respond publicly so people can see that you are actively listening to your consumers and that you're willing to work with them. Then get that conversation offline as soon as possible. So get it into a phone call, preferably, or at least into a messaging device so that you're able to get the problem solved. Because if you have a person who is actively causing problems on your social media or in your social proof, you really need to work hard to resolve that issue. If it's a legitimate issue, do what you need to do. If it's not a legitimate issue, most people will figure it out, okay? And sometimes there's miscommunication around the way that you leave the reviews. I had an example from a couple years ago where someone left a review on my page and she left a one-star review. And then underneath it, she said, absolutely loved every bit of working with you, blah, blah, blah. And I messaged her and I was, you know, and I said, thank you so much, you know, for your kind words. Can you let me know why I received a one-star? I would love to improve my service, something along those lines. And she said, I thought one star was the good one. I've had that same review. (laughs) Yeah. So I said underneath, you know, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. We're going to count this as a five star. If you can change it. That would be great. That would be awesome. But even though that may or may not have ever happened, I I think, you know, maybe it was someone that had not a lot of time on the computer and skill level. So, you know, at least when someone goes, I don't know about you all, sometimes I'll go and look at reviews and I'll go look at the five stars and then I'll go right to the one stars to see what the complaints are. I do too. So if someone does that, then, right, you're going to do that. So if someone does that, they can go and say, oh, well, that wasn't a one star. I mean, you know, that that actually was a five star. That was a five star, yeah. So, you know, responding to the good and the bad is huge and you and you really never know what's going to come out of that. No. And then if you do, if you do have the bad review and you get the issue resolved, then at that point, it's really important as the business owner to ask that person and say, you know, legitimately reviews are a big, big deciding factor for somebody working with me. And I feel like we've resolved your issue to a satisfactory point for you. And if we haven't, keep working. But now that we have it resolved, could I ask you to please go back and either alter your review or leave a response with your experience with the company. And like you, Kara, other people do go look at the one-star reviews and they see what the complaints are. And if they see that you're responsive, they're really obvious when people are leaving hater reviews and when people have a legitimate complaint. And then your response carries a tremendous amount of weight in making sure that that person is able to work with you. I personally, as a consumer, consumer, I really want to use companies that respond to their customers even when there's a problem because that tells me that company cares. And I'm not the only consumer who believes that. So our final tip is to develop those good social proof listening and tracking skills. And part of that is looking at your analytics and just going to the areas where social proof is provided and taking a look 
at the social proof that's there. And then part of it is what we're calling social shadowing. So that's following. <laughs> yeah, we, we decided we didn't want to be social stalkers. So we found a better word. So social shadowing, that's where you shadow your best customers. Now, for some people, this means becoming friends with them on social media so they can see what they post. Because remember, the social proof that's provided in the wild is sometimes you're not tagged in it as the business owner. Sometimes you don't know. You may not be privy if you're not following your customers or actively involved in being friends with them. You may not know they posted that picture of your picture on their their hallway wall and all their excitement is over it. So those customers that you want to clone, that you want to repeat, or that you know want to brag up on you, socially shadow them, follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook. And I even go as far as to be friends with a lot of my clients. Now, that said, I don't post anything controversial. I kind of keep my what would be considered my personal Facebook page very businesslike. I, I consider it an extension of my professional appearance. And yes, I will post personal things on there, but they're personal things that I am perfectly okay with any of my clients seeing. So I try to stick really, really, <laughs> really in the center or, or very much to the side of not causing any waves. I think that's kind of the beauty of being small animal-based businesses that a lot of times we do develop relationships and we are able to, like you said, friend people online and engage with them socially and have, you know, those those types of relationships where then we can be aware when they tag us and things or don't tag us and things and can participate in that conversation. I can't tell you how many times I get people that'll mention my name and then tag my business as Swift Horse Photography because my last name is Swift and not fast. So yeah. <laughs> um, I have to... To, you know, and I'll be like, thank you so much. I really appreciate the fast horse photography plug, you know, <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, those, those kind of things happen all the time. And if we're not, you know, socially shadowing, you know, our best customers, we might miss it and not be able to fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not a necessity, but it certainly does help you be able to find out. And it also gives you some great insight into who your best customers are as people. And that helps you become better at finding more like them. So it's it's a good business practice all of the way around. And frankly, in my opinion, you shouldn't be making waves on social media anyway. <laughs> You're a small business owner. Leave that to the thought leaders and the people who that's that. This is a whole different yeah. topic too, but just, you know, through social shadowing and, and connecting with, with people outside of the business that have worked with the business, I've been able to become aware of really important things that have happened in my clients and past clients' lives so that I can respond appropriately to that, you know, send something to them. Like I had a friend online that was a past client and their horse passed away. You know, I was able to send them a piece of art, you know, from their horse. And I would never have seen that unless they reached out to me personally. But I think that that's another level of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You also had a really interesting concept around the same thing about developing a lot of social proof to, and I loved this in because it's in the same vein of this, of burying the, burying the bad. <laughs> I imagine you outside digging a, digging a hole and, and putting your one-star reviews in it and covering them up. But yeah, but, that's a great way yeah. to look at it. <laughs> but burying, but we'll, we'll let that image kind of go away. Kim's overactive imagination. But talk to me about that. What did you mean when you said burying the bad? Well, I think you need to have as much 
useful and positive social proof as you can have out there in the world that's easily accessible to people. If you're someone that's a business owner and maybe there are things, you know, out in the world about you that are maybe not so great for your business. Maybe you were mentioned in an article where there was a crime and you know, or something happened, or maybe you were arrested at one point in time, I don't know. And you've got these things out when someone Googles your name, that your name pops up in a way that's really not great for your business. The more social proof that you can have out there that's positive, that can basically bury the negative stuff that's out there. I think that's really, really important. Absolutely. This hasn't happened to any of my commercial business customers, but I do have some nonprofits that I occasionally consult with. And some of them are in industries that can get a little bit controversial on occasion. And so they tend to attract haters and people will leave just mean negative reviews with absolutely no foundation to them whatsoever. And they have a tactic in the nonprofit world. We will just simply say, you know, we've been attacked by this particular group of people and they've left a bunch of negative reviews. So could you kind of rally behind us and go leave a bunch of positive reviews if you've had a good experience with our nonprofit? And it really does. It buries the bad. It's it's an important piece of this to consider. And it's something that if you have that or you're worried about it, it might stop you from asking or from utilizing this important asset in your business. Or maybe even pushing a particular platform because you're worried about sending people to the platform. So if you got, yeah. you know, a terrible Google review, you might decide, gosh, I'm not going to use Google reviews. I'm going to stick to Facebook reviews because I don't want to send anyone over to potentially see my Google review. So thinking about instead, yep. you know, I just want to gain as much social proof on that platform as I can to bury it as opposed to hiding it. If I've got one negative thing, I'm going to have 75 positive things out there in the world. Because the truth is, is that stuff happens. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have someone break into your house and you're in a news article and quoted or something and you're unhappy with it. I mean, those kind of things happen in the real world. And, you know, it, it could show up and connect to your business. That happens a lot more often than one would think. <laughs> It really does. It really does. And it's important that you not let that stop you from getting what you need to get out of this really important avenue for marketing. The last piece I think we want to discuss today is what if you are a brand new business and you just simply don't have customers yet? You don't, you maybe have one good customer and that's it at this point and you're building your business. How do you start to accumulate the social proof out there in the world if you don't have a customer base to pull on? And one of the best ways that I counsel people to do that is to do what's called beta testing. Now that's a software term, but it's, you know, maybe providing your product or service at either no cost or at a reduced cost in exchange for very explicit social proof. And that should be made very clear up front. So I'm going to give you this product. I'd like for you to use it and I would like you to provide me feedback. If you don't like it, I'm going to take that feedback and use it to improve the product. If you do like it, I'm going to ask you to leave X reviews or to do a video interview about your use of it or whatever it may be. You can use that with influencers. So people who already have a following, who have authority within whatever industry that you're in, you can provide them with that. 
I know a lot of people in, that I've worked with in equine businesses, you know, they'll give the product to the clinicians that show up at the expos and say, here, give me feedback on it and tell me what you think. And then there becomes a paid endorsement later on, but it gives them good feedback on whatever it is that they're doing. And then they may end up with an endorser that helps them get sales. So that's kind of an avenue that you can do, but you don't have to go directly to that like authority figure. You can go to a horse owner and say, I want you to, you know, give this a good old try and see if it's going to work for you. And if it does, here, I would like for you to write a detailed review on Google and provide me with a video testimonial in exchange for whatever you're doing. That happens on a really regular basis. And it's perfectly okay when you're getting started because you need that leapfrog into being able to get more customers into your business. And social proof is a really important way to do that. In the photography world, that looks a lot like a model call. And then in your model call contract, you include information about how we would like for them to respond. How did you enjoy the process? Talk to me about that. And then you're going to use that as your review. Absolutely. And you know, that goes to another thing that within the photography community, like when we do a new retreat, we ask the people up front for the new location, hey, this is the hashtag we're using. And can you use that hashtag on everything and so on and so forth. So there's all kinds of ways that you can incorporate that type of social proof, even when you're new. So let's take a review. Our big three that we would like for you to walk away with is social proof might be one of your most important marketing assets that you can get. It's incredibly important. You need to, number two, be mindfully cultivating and harvesting that social proof. And finally, number three, you need to develop really good social proof listening skills, social shadowing skills, tracking, and looking at your analytics. So you know how well you're doing out there in the world of consumer opinion and how much penetration you're making through social proof and social listening. So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, catch us on social media and don't forget to visit the website for show notes and other little tidbits, including some video business tips from both of us. And we'll be seeing you next week on our next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.